That was Prepare You the Way of the Lord from the uh, movie soundtrack of Godspell. And this is episode 269 of PZ's podcast, which is um, kind of an attempt to sort of sum up a, a considerable um, a body of uh, pastoral reflection uh, in recent times. And I hope you'll find it uh, relevant and even interesting. The um, soul of a person is on a trajectory through life, hence the name of the cast, Soul Trajectory, a trajectory, you might say, throughout our life as a human being. And the soul is um, that part of us which came from God and is going to God and is, in a sense, we don't want to pin it down too closely, identified with the divine, a part of God, you might say, in the flesh. And this um, being, this inmost part of us, is aspiring to the connection with God throughout the entire period of separation. That is, from birth to death, the soul is aspiring to a love connection, an organic connection with love with God. And yet God is, physically speaking, so to speak, um, and words fail here, um, but the soul is uh, uh, not in the same communion that it was prior to birth and after death. And so it is looking uh, with urgent uh, and uh, uh, enduring and constant hunger for a connection, the love connection, what... Uh, what um, um, Nick Lowe calls in his new song with low straitjackets, um, Love Salvation. This is why, as I say so often, but it's empirically verifiable, uh, romantic love is the uh, overwhelming force that it is which motivates people to do the most extraordinary things from a rational brain point of view because the connection, the hunger for the connection is so great that um, one will do almost anything for it. Now, what happens in life, however, is the connection of the soul uh, to an entity to find what it's looking for which is ultimately God, 
um, it makes mistakes. It, it, it thinks something is something that it's not. It looks for a connection where it shouldn't. Call this uh, D.W. Winnicott and object relations. It looks, the baby looks for an object, but the object, in this case the mom, presumably, later on the dad and other various people, uh, the uh, human being inevitably lets down the requirement, uh, the search for uh, a landing pad of unity and unitive connection. And so uh, the soul begins to imagine disappointments and hurts because the landing pad failed uh, to complete the connection, the landing. Um, I always quote Harold, uh, Gerald Hurd in this, but his um, quote that I think is so profound, it's just three lines uh, in his uh, uh, book Doppelgangers from the late 40s or early 50s, writes this, a pole put high enough in a dark night will suddenly appear shining white in the high dark because it is intercepting the beam of a searchlight passing over, but otherwise unseen in the clear dark air. The searchlight is the soul looking for um, a pole uh, that it will um, uh, connect with, and then the the pole will be overwhelmingly incandescent in the high dark. Uh, we see this in movies about uh, Stalag 17 and escape movies from prisons. And um, um, you don't want to get caught in the searchlight, like a flying fortress over Germany in 1944. You don't want to be caught in the searchlights because everything lights up, you're blinded, and you falls to the ground. And um, so people, the searchlight is the soul, the high pole is, a, is, a, is something that the searchlight sees in great hope, jumps at it, hopes for it, gloms onto it, to use the word that Jim Monroe first introduced me to, um, and uh, therein lies the great connection and the great failure. So whether it's mom or a, a loved woman, a loved male, a loved uh, entity, a child, a, a, a some person usually which promises to be that pole that is solely illuminated as the searchlight of the soul lands or lights on it uh, fails and so there are great um, uh, wounds and hurts and disappointments and losses and you go through life with an increasing number of or losses and hurts and in some cases very severe and unhealed probably in almost all cases there are at least one or two um, connective uh, breaks losses that are uh, simply un, you know, um, Humpty Dumpty, all the king's horses and all the king's men could not put Humpty Dumpty back together again. And I would say that that's really the human problem, the pastoral problem, the human problem, the, the problem of human unhappiness and uh, suffering and pain is of unhealed wounds, wounds from uh, the uh, a break, a rupture in the connectivity, which failed simply because the object on which you put this almost divine expectation could not possibly succeed. And it failed you and you felt failed and everything failed and it's a great crash. And yet we're all looking for it. Everybody's looking for it all the time. Um, in the movie with Humphrey Bogart and Rose Hobart, who's one of my faves now from the Hollywood 40s and 50s, she was always in a supporting role with one or two exceptions. She had such soul, that woman. But in a movie entitled, um, what is it entitled now? Conflict from 1945, uh, Rose Hobart uh, depicts the wife of uh, Humphrey Bogart and it's a very 
very unhappy marriage. They've only been married for five years, but they're very unhappy. And she's a real witch. <clears throat> she's clearly <clears throat> depicted in the movie as a uh, captious, fact, fault-finding, um, what we would today would call a nagging, unhappy, um, critical spouse. Uh, and there's a scene in the bedroom shortly uh, near the beginning when they're about to have their fifth anniversary party. And it's she is so unnice and so impossible. And he's fallen in love with her sister. And she knows it. And uh, he's not happy about it, but he has. And uh, the movie is a film noir about what happens with this love, which also fails him. All the loves that he tries fail him. But the point is the witch, played by Rose Hobart, his wife, Catherine. This, suddenly he says, just as they're about to go downstairs, they're quite wealthy people. And she looks good. And she's dressed very carefully. And he looks at her and he says, you know, Catherine, you look pretty good tonight. You look good tonight. And she looks at him and she says, you know, you haven't said anything like that to me for for, for a year, for two years. And there's something about the way she performs it, that this unnice, really unkind woman, suddenly for just a moment, her true self appears. And she you can see that she wishes he had. She's really just dying for him to love her, and he doesn't. And the less he loves her, the more critical and despondent and really mean she becomes. But you might say it's underneath it is simply the urge and the hunger for love, which is revealed in the look on her face when he does say something nice to her. So um, this is the hunger. And what um, in uh, most of the inspired uh, forms of psychotherapy and counseling that I've encountered, not just for myself, but for many, many, many people whom I've attempted to to hook up with helping hands to help with their pain and their sorrow. The, um, <coughs> the, um, some of the very wisest of the trajectories of hope for the trajectory of the soul have been those schools of thought which say, well, you have these wounds, but the only way to survive them is to embrace them. Or to put it another way, to, 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 to become whole again, you have to feel to heal. Instead of denying or suppressing or displacing or uh, ramming down the terrible distress, unhappiness and frustration and lack of satisfaction and, and despair and sorrow and aloneness and hurt that you feel the only possible way to get through it is to express it, to feel it to cry, to come out with it in a safe environment not necessarily with the person that's let you down murder might ensue but um uh, with ideally a listening, a calm and kind listening ear, a parish priest, a minister, a pastor, someone like that, a doctor. Uh, and if you can simply come out with it, that will be such a tremendous help. And, um, this is uh, what uh, the podcast part one is about. It's about the fact that people really are uh, looking most um, uh, profoundly for uh, some kind of uh, ab reaction. And uh, the ab reaction is when the feelings come out and uh, you feel to heal and you feel better, like Holly Hunter in the movie from 1989 entitled Broadcast News, who gets up in the morning and she sits on her bed and instead of having an evangelical quiet time, she bursts into tears and sobs and sobs hysterically about whatever it is that's really deep on her heart, and then takes a deep breath, sighs, gets up, and starts her day. In other words, she's healed for the day because she has abreacted or expressed, felt to heal her deepest hurts, and that is what makes the difference. That makes all the difference, to quote Robert Frost. However, however, it makes all the difference with one caveat or one condition. There are hurts 
inside people. In other words, by the way, that we might call a monistic view of pastoral care, a monistic view in which the um, instead of fighting it, you welcome it. Uh, in Centering Prayer, it's called the welcoming prayer. You welcome Thomas Keating. You welcome the pain, and you embrace it. You assimilate the negativity, and from that comes some kind of strange psychic chemical reaction, as it were, by which the pain is grounded and you feel better. Now, however, as I was just saying, there is an exception. There are wounds and there are primal core pain areas and sorrows and sufferings that appear to be beyond even the very best efforts of abreaction and feeling to heal. You may know one. I mean, all of us have struggled and struggled and struggled with at least something in our lives which has not given way even with the best intentions and the best care and the most frequent prayer and the most heartfelt, earnest supplication to God and to man and all the following all the normal advice and what you ought to do and the good things surrounding yourself with community, with friends, with support, um, newness of life, getting up in the morning, whistle while you work, uh, and at the same time feel to heal. And yet there is still something that is uh, of such a great um, unstitched together, a, a wound that never got healed in the first place. Something that was never, something that happened in early childhood or mid-childhood or the teen years that was so disgusting or so horrible or so hurtful to you and you felt it so deeply that, it, and it never really was healed. There was no one, there was no one to, you know, Israel, there was no one to hear a suppliant. There was no one to come. There was no one. And so you, um, you have these areas. And in that case, in the case of the um, seemingly unhealable sorrow and suffering of the heart, then there is another, then there is another possibility. Jesus said that one of the diseases which he was uh, cured could not be cast out, but by um, fasting, uh, by prayer and fasting. In other words, he said there are some situations which demand, like epilepsy, I think it was, which even the best efforts of his disciples were frustrated by the incurability of the disease. There was a um, museum, uh, museum, there was a, 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 a hospital in Washington, D.C., which I used to visit when I was on the staff of St. Margaret's Church there long, long ago. And um, um, it was called the Home for the Incurables. I think it has a different, completely different name. I think those words have long been um, wiped away or chiseled away on the front of the uh, hospital. But when I was there, it was you saw it. You went in for the Home for Incurables, and these were people who were incurably disabled, were incurably autistic, were incurably incapacitated, and it was a place of great compassion. And we visited with great feeling and great tenderness and with great hope, with great love. But um, look, look at you. There, there is an incurable aspect to life. There, what a um, what did uh, Harvey in the movie Harvey with Jimmy Stewart, Charles Drake? What did he, Geraldine Hull? What did he say? Um, yeah, that's get, getting born. That's the that's the one that's the one thing we never recover from. <laughs> getting born, the one thing we never recover from. Well, George Harrison could have sung that, or a Hindu could have sung that. But the point is, life is fraught with at least one deep frustration, loss, aloneness, desolation, deep, deep sadness and melancholia that seems impossible with the very best of care and the even chemical care. So that's where you have to factor in the Paula White element. You have to factor in this uh, uh, conviction that at a certain level, the devil is holding you down. At a certain level, there is a demonic burden. There is a, um, there is a, uh, um, 
well, let's just, there is a spirit working against you, a hex. There is something that is beyond, uh, it is not, you're wrestling not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against the world rulers of this present darkness. And I would say I have become absolutely convinced that Paula is dead right on that front. And her school of thought, while it may have other things that we can uh, talk about uh, and have a, quote, conversation about, um, she is absolutely on point here that there are elements of people's lives that are really under the captivity of the devil. They are almost like a possession. They are like the attic of the house that hasn't been swept clean. And I won't go into all that about the different demons after it is swept clean. But what I will say is that someone's living there and it's not you. Mr. Gray, isn't that the, isn't there a, oh gosh, isn't that in it? Is it it? I think it's it, isn't it? I believe it's it. Uh, the, uh, the um, Stephen King, Mr. Gray, maybe it's not it. It's one of his uh, novels where an alien uh, figure takes possession of a person uh, inside called Mr. Gray. And he takes possession of the man who is right there as well and talks to it all the time and is trying to get out of this possession. But it's a conflict that is irreducible and irresoluble. And so here is where we call on God um, in the sort of Nigel Mumford, Paula White sense, and I believe this, to say, Lord, um, uh, get thee behind me, Satan. Uh, be gone. It's, she uses words like renounce, revoke. What are some of the other words she uses? You have to renounce it, revoke it, remove it, uproot it. There's an element where we call upon God, and I would say Jesus Christ and the holy angels, to um, do battle with absolute conviction of uh, their being able to vanquish uh, the devil. And remember what the devil did after Jesus said, get thee behind me, and um, he, 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 he made him go after the end of the three temptations, and the devil, devil departed until an opportune time. And I would say that this is what the element that's missing in the assimilation of negativity in the field to heal is the element of spiritual warfare, which we don't want to apply to all sicknesses because a number of neurotic and emotional and even physical sicknesses are tied in with the very phenomenon I've talked about, the assimilation of negativity, which was Frank Lake's great phrase to me, which I think is so deep and so marvelous and so true and probably 94% of human sorrows. But I would say there's a 5% margin of other things, and that is where we do right to call upon God to help us and uh, give us the power to, and uh, together with us, renounce, revoke, uproot, and remove the uh, destructive and paralyzing, enervating, and crushing power of the devil. Well, that's what I wanted to say, and that's my thought today for um, pastoral care. And uh, we're going to end with uh, the Supremes from the summer of 70, summer of sorrow for me, but a wonderful song that proved to be an encouragement as I was tearing along in my little Volkswagen from Washington up to New York. I don't even know quite why, how or where, but that's where it was, traveling through New Jersey in the Meadowlands, listening to Up the, uh, what is it, up the ladder to the roof where we can see heaven together. And this is ultimately where we want to be, the Supremes, up the ladder to the roof. Love you. the
story of love, how it is, and the happiness in it, baby. 